0: You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider.
1: We actually went and had uh, a table in the, out. Al- uh, what is it, the room called? Aristides? What is it called?
0: Ar- Aristides? Aristides.
1: Yeah, Aristides' room. He's famous. And,
0: uh, yeah, I've heard of oh, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brandon Jaggers. And Brandon Jaggers is the third leg of our podcast tripod (laughs) and he's not here yet he's supposed to be joining us later maybe he's got plumbing issues
2: in his Uh, house in his house
0: and me cc brought us at a leaky pipe welcome to episode number 106 of the auxiliary gate podcast I'm CDC Broadis and I'm joined off of a short turnaround after his uh less than stellar Kentucky Derby performance of course talking about Alan Schneider
2: I spit the bit I bounced I needed some time off I needed a freshening uh, right I need to be turned out uh don't know when I'll get back on the track <laughs>
0: Someone that never needs to turn around. He, he, he always bounces higher than before.
1: This Brandon Jaggers. Brandon, how are you doing? Doing great. And I had an epiphany yesterday that from now on, I'm only playing the 20-cent 20 pick six at Churchill Downs.
2: That's it? Even if, if it gets hit, you're going to play it the next day?
1: I'm going to keep playing it, and I'm going to reverse handicap from the last race to the start, find my single, and come at it hard.
2: What if there's multiple singles, you're just you're just gonna you know bet it harder, or what are you how are you gonna play it?
1: Alan, you should only believe in one single in a in a six race sequence.
2: Oh so. boy, you're talking to the wrong person here. But I I, pour, I root you on, sir. I root you on.
0: Uh, you're talking about a lot of money too.
2: Yeah, those double singles are pretty good. Those double triple singles, you can find them.
0: That Thursday card though, it starts off. As I recall, kind of chalky. I know that there's a two-year-old race that you've got a Mike Maker entry and you've got a Steve Asmussen runner, and then you you get a little mambo a few races later. I think that's your single, but you're going to get a low price. But it's a challenging card after that. So I haven't,
2: I haven't looked at It might be I've not looked at the card. I just I would like to have some interesting races. Those faces for the, a lot of you know the lot of the races have been a little. Short fields, or whatever you know, how I feel about that. I know it's 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 a problem problem across the country, not just in Churchill. But uh, short short fields is the bane of my existence. I, I hope we can get a little, but you know they're they're doing the best they can. Don't get me wrong. So I hope it is a challenging card. Well, guys, let's get right into it. For Saturday was a huge, huge
0: weekend. Mm-hmm. We cannot go any further unless we talk about the uh, the race of the day on Saturday. Uh, race that we've all were were basically looking forward to probably a year in the making since the last one,
2: yeah.
0: And I'm th- I'm talking about uh, race fourteen at Pimlico is the UAE President's Cup for for the probably the finest Arabians in the land. It was won by Hayab Al Zaman, who defeated Quicksand Ah 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 in a uh, as a rousing performance. <laughs> uh, Alan, and we'll go to you uh, your your thoughts on uh, this. uh it's an unbelievable race that the UAE President's Cup. I know you were in tears afterwards.
2: Uh yeah, well, you know, anytime you see Carol C. Daniel win for uh, you know, my man Jeremiah Castro, uh I mean you can't help but get a little emotional, right? I we I mean I I must have listened to fifteen podcasts last week to talk about this race. And I, I'll give people credit. They really broke it down pretty well. I know some people are happy but with like proud Americans, some people liked uh a lot of the Ken Daniel like horses. Who didn't run very well, but uh, in the end it was uh, Carol Sedaniel getting Hob Alzamon home over a pretty game Quicksand, ah, 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 I believe, and uh, I just hope everybody cashed. I believe you gave out the winner, didn't you? Uh, well, I
0: you did know. on our uh, our Saudi podcast. You could only listen to it in Saudi Arabia, but uh, oh, Brandon, yeah. we're big over there, Brandon. Uh, a lot has been made about uh, the 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 horse, sec- the, the the five to two, I believe second choice Quicksand, ah. ah, ah. This, uh, I mean, he, he's just not what we thought he was. Would you agree with that assessment?
1: Yeah, I mean, getting up in age, I think this horse is 13, still running. You know, at some point, you got to call a spade a spade, and you got to go back to the farm. Maybe start a, a good breeding, you know, deal. Uh, maybe syndicate out for each, you know, live foal cover, you know, $1,000 or, or 5000 would be a good start. Uh, I'm just. I thought Kim was. I thought Kim would look like a Chad Brown of trainers that day, though. You know, there Chad is. always enters three on the turf or on the dirt. He just didn't pull it off today. I just. I was kind of a little upset by that. That was my big upset. I. I thought that there were going to be one of those runners that get in the money, and that's what I needed to crit, uh, complete my super.
2: You but, know, a lot. Of, a lot of people were criticizing Joel Rosario's ride in that that one race earlier. I, I forget the name. But, I mean, Joseph Trails, I thought he'd be on the lead, but he broke a little flat footed, and, uh, I don't think the trainer was very happy with his ride. Uh, I think that's what, that was the talk of the Twitter and the racing world post, uh, post Arabian race.
0: My thought, I, my feeling is that Quicksand, uh, is probably going to probably see better days ahead. I, I, we, we have seen the last, mark my words, we've not seen the last of Quicksand,
2: uh, I was telling her, everybody at work was asking about the race today. I was telling them much the same thing. So uh, we'll see how we'll see how they progress from here.
0: Wait, now you gonna do the real show? Wait, guys, I had the wrong notes. Oh, this is so embarrassing. I meant to I meant to cover the Preakness.
2: The it happened the race
0: before, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, you're oh, right. Yeah.
0: They uh, probably I mean, went a
2: little bit faster. They of a bitch. Well, yeah,
0: but, what, they they covered a mile and. 110 yards and 12 minutes and six seconds.
2: Sounds like me. Sounds like me. Uh, oh, I guess we, we don't know how to edit this shit. So I guess we'll just go and go with this Preakness race. We'll just,
0: we'll just go with it. Let's talk about the Preakness stakes. One by early voting set off, uh, the, the pace set by Armagnac and kind all over the track late. Uh, kind of some race riding there by Jose Ortiz to hold off uh, the late charge of Epicenter. Uh, early voting. From the Chad Brown Barn, that's his second Preakness win. The last one was Cloud Computing, another new shooter to the Triple Crown Trail. And, Alan, I think you said, what was it, uh, the last three winners of the Preakness have all been new shooters. And I think four of the last six, going back to Cloud Computing, four of the last six have been new shooters.
2: I've been fortunate. I didn't bet a lot on the race, but I did, I did play early voting. Number one, with obviously speed, but obviously the incredible price, which we'll talk about here in a second. But as you're talking about cloud computing, I've been fortunate to have the last two pregnancies, but that pales in comparison. And you were with me that day when cloud computing caught classic empire. I'll, I'll trade the next six preakness winners to have that one back. That was one of the, I don't talk a lot of tough beats, but cloud computing, cloud computing's pregnancies was a tough beat for me. That's, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd gladly give back a few winning tickets for that one, but I think he started that new shooter skein that you're referring to, right?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Uh, the epicenter, the six to five favorite broke a step slow and was at the back of the pack and they weren't going all that fast early, unlike uh, the Kentucky Derby. I don't think, uh, I, a lot of people are trying to fault Joel Rosario. For the ride, I, I don't know if I can fault him. I think this may be a case, Brandon, maybe where the the horse was not as sharp as he needed to be. I mean, that was his fifth start of the year, and we know now in horse racing that less is more. Less starts means faster horses, it seems. But uh, yeah, it, talk about the epicenter's uh, voyage in the Preakness.
1: Yeah, just a little bit disappointing. Not on, didn't break on, you know, top edge or just sitting right off the pace. Had a lot of work to do, even with those soft times. And maybe that was just a mis misjudgment by the jock. But, uh, you know, pace is such a key thing in these races. I mean, you've got to have a little lasting kick to come home with down the lane. But as everyone saw, the Kentucky Derby pace was such a huge factor in that race. And uh this one was pretty much on par and, just let Chad and, you know, early voting get away with it. And that ultimately cost, uh, Steve Asmussen. I, I feel bad because I think Steve, he deserves some racing luck. He's earned it. Uh, I thought, you know, he thanks this, this horse for this year. Obviously he was surprised at Kentucky Derby. And then now you get this defeat that he really thought he was going to take down. So, uh, I, I hate to see it, but. Uh, you know, Chad is a Chad is a great trainer. And like you said, fresh shooter. Uh You can't beat that. So uh I will be honest. I did not pay a lot of attention hard that day. I did watch this race, but I just, you know, since the Kentucky Derby, I'm still on the Kentucky Derby hangover. But uh congrats to early voting and Chad Brown and uh, Jose Ortiz. A couple other stories.
0: The, the Philly, the, the Kentucky Oaks winner, Secret Oath finished fourth after a wide trip. Really nice He's Probably not on par with these, uh, the top, top three year old Colts in the land, but, uh, really, really nice Philly. I think we'll see Secret Oath re-emerge this summer at Saratoga, probably in the coaching club, American Oaks. And the other story I want to talk about. The long shot, or the Spies long shot, Fenwick, who was fifty to one on the morning line, I think was sent off at maybe eleven to one, twelve to one, thirteen to one, something like that. Finally, finally. How that
2: you know, we watched that at, at the odds. It was me and you and Rob, but Caitlin was there, and uh, well, and Holloway and a couple other people were commenting. The, the, the odds just never changed. You expect those those wacky odds initially when the when the quote unquote, you know. Foolish money comes in, but uh, over time, and, because we see it all the time in racing, right, that uh, the smart money wins out, uh, the, uh, the regression of the mean comes in, and things st- have a tendency to start to balance out. You start salivating when you see the big odds on horses that you like, and you know that something's not supposed to be, because you know that Happy Jack and and I would, I would argue Aramniak is the same way, and Fenwick had no chance. Everyone knew it was a, a six-horse race at best if you're stretching, and I think that's a stretch. And the odds just never came down those horses. Epicenter did eventually drop. Nobody else did. It, it One of the greatest overlays in racing is early voting at 5.7 to 1. I, as I said, I, I bet him, but it's also me betting him, okay, he's going to be 5 to 1. I, was, I still expect him to drop into that high 4 to 1, 9 to 2 range. He wins, and I'm still thinking he probably drop. No, I look at what he's 5 to 1. He's like, he almost 6 to 1. That's That's incredible. It's a sign – it's a sign that the, the the wagering is out of whack. Yes, we know the rich strike factor. We know all these different things. But even then, even in the smart money, the wiser money does have a tendency to balance out late. And it seemed like it never did. Epicenter got money. No, nobody else. The creative minister was 10 to 1. And, I mean, I know it was his morning line, but I still expect him to drop a little bit once the odds even out on the other horses. And it just never happened. And happy Jack 11 to 1 is a freaking crime. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's what we all look for. If you're a value player, if you're looking at, if you if you know how to evaluate odds and you know what, what horse are supposed to go off at, you you see that you're, you're salivating at that. Happy Jack 11-1 is insanity. But you know, you know, I mean, people. Well, one day, I guess that's got to be aggravating though. If you're a an
0: epicenter fan and you see Fenwick, Armagnac, oh. Happy Jack all below twenty to one when they should all be fifty to one. And your horse is still six to five. That's 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 I don't know. It was a strange day of here.
2: You know, I, I would argue too that I thought I didn't like Aramiac at all. Now that said, uh, the the surprising thing is he went off longer than the other two, and I would still make a case that he should have been I should have been lower. But whatever. And that's my dog barking in the background, y'all. So it's my beagle. I don't know what she sees.
0: Yeah, this show's gone to the dogs already. Let's hit on some other uh, news and notes around Kentucky. we we'll talk about our friends and whatnot. Uh, Alan, a big uh, victory today for our friend, Farron Peterson at Belterra.
2: No, it was Indiana. Uh, horseshoe. Indiana, Indiana. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Belterra did not even race today. They race tomorrow, but yeah, it was at Indiana.
2: We're fond of Farron here. She's an amazing athlete. Um, she whip your ass. She's nice and me, but she can whip your ass. I'll tell you that. And, uh, she went. one of the horses. I really like a horse that she rides them for an exchange. She rides the horse perfectly, absolutely perfectly every time. And uh, I'll give her praise because she's a good rider. And she rides that horse beautifully. Did I know? I didn't know the horse was running today, but you know, two to one, do I care much about two to one horses? No, but I'm glad that she won. And uh, so hats off to her and let's get her some more mounts around here. She's too good a rider to not have more mounts. I'll and say to for- so the day I die. And I know you guys agree with me.
0: Uh, I'm yep. with 100% she's a great person too, more, mm-hmm. most importantly. Uh, Brandon David Rogers of the Bluegrass Racing Club, they made a purchase today at the two year old in two year olds in training sale at Timonium in Maryland today. Uh, tell us about the, the, this, uh, this new acquisition for the Bluegrass Racing Club.
1: Yeah. Real exciting. You know, I, I, after, uh, we met David on our podcast and got to talk with him and learn his story, you know, I, I signed up for a share. And really from, from day one, he has been patient. Uh, from the business aspect of things, he's top notch. Uh, you see financials, you see everything that he's thinking. The transparency is just as strong as is, you know, brilliant racing. And, uh, David was down at mid Atlantic today and, uh, had definitely a few horses in mind. Uh, even on Excel spreadsheets, which I love to see because no one uses technology. It seems like in horse racing all the time. Uh, so I like looking at Excel and, um, you know, and I watched a little bit of the sale from time to time. And he was the, the, the group was the winning bidder on hip number 214. Uh, it's a Philly and I, I shoot the pedigree to everybody earlier, but I will tell you, uh, it's hang it up here. It's out of a Motown uh sire or a by Motown. You did it right.
0: They say it right. It's yeah, by, yeah. by Motown.
1: by Motown. So. By Motown and Champanel I can't Chep-Holley. even remember. Yeah, it was the sire of the dam named Bear Canyon. Uh not uh, not much on the dam side of things, but Motown's a really good sire. Uh big blacktop winner of, of four races and you know, what what we took away with this horse is very good, uh physical, long legged and ran a great split time of ten point four seconds, uh and galloped out I think in almost twenty-two, which is mm. very really good for a young horse. Uh Tommy Drury is another good uh spotter of this horse uh to help David and the group and uh Tommy's gonna be the trainer, another guest of the podcast. Uh Give, we're going to give this, t- this horse some time, ship back to Kentucky, back to Tommy's Barn uh, probably tomorrow, and uh, we'll you know, rest and relax and get to know the surroundings of Kentucky and uh, hopefully ease back into some training. Maybe we'll see on the track here shortly uh, or maybe in a couple months. You just never know. But uh, hats off to David and his team and the spotters that he uses and just his – his knack at looking at him because I thought this, this Philly had a good shot and, uh, we look, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because the horse was consigned of Kings Equine, which was another horse we bought from. If you all remember Color of Dawn,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that was the consigner of Color of Dawn and, uh, I and mean, then that, that, that turned out pretty good. So I'm excited and it's a good purchase and it's a good purchase for the group. So.
2: Happy for David and, and Champ Ali was a, a really good sprinter for Greg Foley. So that's what right. Champali is. is huh. He won the Phoenix. He won the Phoenix, right? Sounds right. Sounds right. He won a won a lot of sprints around here. Yeah. Crack Sprinter.
0: All right. So moving right along. uh of course, today at Prescott Downs, they ran the Tom Ridge Stakes, and that was won by a Larry Rivelli horse, whose name is escaping me, but we don't care about that one. We care about the runner-up, and that was Circle Back Jack for our friend Sarah Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So that horse rallied to finish second there. So uh, yeah, kudos to Sarah, and she's really done a good job with Circle Back Jack.
2: Amen. Another big payday. And speaking Amen. of Drury, doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, Lee and Bob's horse, uh, what would you say about their horse?
0: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that was uh, my last note here. Uh, Love Me Some Me that is co-owned by Lee and Bob Butler, who are friends of ours and former guests, and as well as Rocket Ship Racing and, uh, and Billy Denzik is involved in that, in that Philly. She's back on the work tab. So I'm hoping, uh, maybe, maybe three or four more works into June. Maybe we'll see her back, back, uh, on the racetrack, uh, in a, in a race. So, uh.
2: uh oh, and. And brilliant racing. We shouldn't. Our, our, you know, that's what we're involved in. The good guys are. We've got uh, horses with Foley now. Uh, we got a two-year-old with Foley. Uh, got to the barn. Michelle's going to get one here pretty soon. Yeah. I believe uh, the the really nice horse to claim named the Caramel Crush is uh, uh back uh, starting to feel good again, and I think they're looking for another one. So uh, yeah. they're doing amazing job, amazing work.
0: Yeah, it could be a fun fall. It's some action packed yeah. for sure.
2: Oh. Yeah, I mean, they're working their tails off. You gotta, you gotta hand to those guys. So everybody's feeling pretty good.
0: So our guest this evening is Chase Miller, who is a, uh, a jockey, and a son of a, a well-known local trainer, Darren Miller. Uh, and, uh, I think he's on the line and Alan is going to, uh, see, see what, see if he's there. Alan, uh, why don't you take over from here?
2: Yes, sir. Uh, you know, we have a tendency around here in Louisville to get so caught up in Derby Week hype and, and hoopla that sometimes we overlook some notable accomplishments by our local guys. And And our guest tonight's a prime example of that. Um, he's currently in his second full year as a bluegrass-based jockey, and uh, he got off to one hell of a start at Churchill, uh, going a perfect two-for-two two to kick off this uh, spring meet. We here at the Auxiliary Gate believe that deserves some recognition. And with that, I'd like to welcome in, jockey Chase Miller to our humble little podcast. Uh how are we doing tonight, Chase? We're doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh as I mentioned a moment ago, uh Chase has been a jockey in these parts for a couple of years now. And just so our listeners know right off the bat, get to know you a little bit before we start getting d- the double interview. Um how old are you, Chase? You're not as young as some people may may believe you are. No, I'm uh 28. 28. Oh, all right. You're just you're hitting that sweet spot in life, man. Yeah. I remember when I was 28. It's been a long time. Yeah. And uh you know, people have probably seen you on a horse. I I have a tendency of a, you you seem like you're a, a tall for a jockey. Uh is, is that my imagination? How how tall are you? I'm 5'6". Oh, okay. I was thinking 5'8", five, 5'9" five, or whatever, but you still you look tall on a racehorse. Have people told you that before? Uh I'm I mean, people, you know, it it, it was
3: a little discouraging, you know, here, you know, you're too tall for a jockey or whatnot, but I guess it, it it only matters how how uh, how low I get when it comes down the lane. So I don't yeah. really,
2: you know. How's your weight? Is that is that a, is that a struggle at all, or is that just something that's natural for you, or? The rest you know, of- it,
3: it, I'm sorry. Uh, you know it 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 it, 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 all, it it all depends on how you look at it. Um, if you're, you know, I've I've really been enjoying it. I, you know, just to ride it. like you really don't. It doesn't seem like a chore when you're winning races and yeah. you're, you know enjoying yourself uh it just seems like you know that's just a part of life now and uh it hasn't been a struggle um really at all
2: wait to get to 52 man wait to get to 52 <laughs> <laughs> but there's a long way to go for you to get there as i alluded to earlier uh, you uh you start off this church on me excuse me a, a stone cold two for two um that had to feel i mean i would guess personally that had to feel amazing especially knowing at that time of the the church you'll meet that that, that jockey colony is so star studded Mm -hmm. and you're able to knock out your first two mounts as victories. Uh, is, is that fair to say?
3: Absolutely, man. Um, I I mean, I, I had confidence, um, that week, uh, just knowing those horses, um, you know, I, I, I I didn't ride uh, the second horse that I went on particularly good, um, at Turfway. um, really had to swing wide, uh, on some times that I knew with that small of a field and those scratches that, um, that I was going to have a, a, a really good chance on him. It was just going to be, uh, you know, if he can hang on to me for that last quarter mile. Um, the first one, I mean, I knew that I was sitting on a, on a fast horse. I was not expecting him to open up the way he did. Um, but yeah, man, it, it felt great. It's such a confidence boost. Um, especially, you know, you just want to keep it going and you, you, you know, you can try to ride every, every horse, like you're on the best horse. And,
2: uh, um, yeah, it was a big confidence boost, man. I tell you, you know, as, as memory serves again, CC and I will tell you, we kind of have, it's, it's bizarre. We kind of have eidetic memories about a lot of the racing around Kentucky. We don't even need racing forms and stuff. I remember the first one was a horse I've liked for a long time. named landed to me and that horse won easy. Just destroyed that field. Mm-hmm. And you, you touched on the second one. That horse's name is uh, Heller Highwater. Yes. And that's, and we should, we should go ahead and preface this now. That horse is trained by your dad, Darren Miller, longtime veteran uh, trainer around here. We're going to get to him in a minute. I assure folks, we're going to get to about, uh, Darren here in a second. But uh, more importantly to me is Heller Highwater has uh, struggled to get that, get through that condition, right? And I think he was dropped in, but that was on a Saturday night. Uh yeah. A lot of buzz on a Saturday night, a lot of festive, it's it's raucous, it's loud, people are drunk. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite a backdrop on a packed Saturday night, especially after you've been riding at Turfway when there's no fans in the stand, right? Yeah, right. So, how, what's that like when you hear that after riding with no fans for so long and then you're on a Saturday night at Churchill and you're surging to the front and you hear the roar of that crowd because that grandstand is packed. That has to be an electric feeling, as it, when you when you get that head in front and you know you know you're, you're a winner. How how's that feel, man? It is the
3: most man. It's such an adrenaline rush. I mean it's 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 it's. I mean it's kind of indescribable. I mean you it, you you hear it when you leave the gates. Um, you go into the first turn, and then you know you don't really hear it down the backside. Um, you just kind of hear the strides of the horses, and you know their in, their inhales and exhales. And um, once you come out of that turn, man, and 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 you know that you've got something, and you start hearing that crowd. I mean, it, it's like you you it's like this inner strength just comes out to where it would be impossible to get tired. I mean, right? It's it's amazing. It's it's addicting.
2: That's why I like when the younger guys, younger guys and gals, when they win on a night like that, uh, because I know what it's like that night, right? Because the crowd's so much more jacked up. There's younger people there. I mean, I think your horse might have been five to two, three to one. You know, a lot of people had money on your horse, so they're excited. Mm -hmm. Plus, when you win, you get to, you know, get to gallop the horse out. The horse gets to come back, and those people are cheering for you again, right? So you get a little double (laughs) dose of it when you win in something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, uh... Yeah, I spent a uh, it's it, it's
3: it's finally nice to hear. It. I spent a lot of time as a kid riding the couch, um, <laughs> my saddle, put my jock saddle on the couch, leaving 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 a black uh, marks from my whip on the leather couch. Parents weren't too happy about that. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it 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 it's so man, it's just so cool. It it really is, and I hope I get to ride in front of bigger crowds one day.
2: Oh, you will, uh, and actually, you know, you just helped me segue into my next uh, question. Is like a, that electric atmosphere, that 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 thrill of hitting the finish line. I mean, that's that's why you become a jockey, or or were you predestined to become a jockey because of your dad, because of your heritage, or was there something else when, that you, you wanted to do when you were younger?
3: When when I never wanted to do anything else. Um, really, I, I rode. Um, I used to walk around. I'm, you know, the first time I. When when I was growing up in Ocala, you know, uh, my dad was breaking babies and stuff for uh, Nick and Jackie Demerick, and um, yeah. so I always, you know, had an interest in horses. Then we moved to Kentucky when he started his training career, and um, I, I I was just infatuated with how like cool jockeys were. Like I like I looked up to Willie Martinez, and on on one Christmas, I don't know how old I had to be eight or nine years old. Um, you know, the one Christmas present I wanted was to meet Willie Martinez, and my mom took me to a sushi restaurant, and there he was sitting at the table with his girlfriend, and he gave me a big picture of him breezing Smarty Jones. Wow. Um, He signed it. I gave him a wristband, and then my mom worked at Churchill, and so when I would get done, I would walk around the backside in the mornings wanting to shed rope people's horses, tack walk people's horses. I, uh any chance I could get, I was throwing my whip around. I was, I, I think I had maybe 20 different colored goggles on this helmet. And, <laughs> and, um, so when, when, when I would get done being at the barn in the morning, I would just go over, my dad would drop me off on the front side and I would go hang out in the jock room until my mom got off of work. And, uh, I just got to retain and watch and and see those guys. And, and, and it was, it was the coolest thing. It was, and then, um, as I got older and, you know, it was time to like learn how to ride horses. I went out to a farm and with my dad and rode my sister's horse with a jock set of, thinking like, Oh, I'm going to breeze this horse today. Like I'm going to do this and that. I rode the horse for five minutes and all of that passion, all of, you know, just it, wanting to do that completely disappeared like i really I didn't, I didn't want to do it i was it seemed very difficult i didn't like i just it It just i didn't want to put in the work and so i stopped really kind of watching racing and going to the barn in the morning and stuff for probably two or three years and then um went down to florida one one winter and uh was hot walking uh horses for my dad and then eventually it it all just came right back to me and I I, you know I decided to uh, learn how to ride horses he was ponying me I I had one filly that I groomed and I rode and I was she was my responsibility and um it it all I remember I got ran off with on the training track at Keeneland and I was I like to go that fast I was like man this is awesome like uh, (laughs) And uh yeah so that's something I I I couldn't see myself pursuing anything else man I I I truly believe that it it was a gift given to me um I I take a lot of pride in 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 how I ride and what I do and not even just uh race horses I mean I I I feel like I can kind of ride any any type of riding that I need to do um I I I just enjoy it I my dad is an amazing rider and he's he's taught me a lot even though it was really difficult to learn from him and he was hard on me um i don't take it for granted at all i mean he's 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 really made me to be a really really good rider and um it's paying yeah. off
2: it's paying off yeah. isn't it
3: yeah man it really is man it's 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 a blessing
2: it's it's wonderful to see the work you know you, you, you lose your way i guess you say you come mm-hmm. back, you dedicate yourself, you put in the work, and it's so rewarding to see it pay off, isn't it it it, 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 it,
3: it yeah, it is man, and it you know it, it it it's been a long journey, it's been a long and times flown by you know I've been riding horses in the morning for almost twelve years, and um I think that kind of in- i i, I feel like that kind of gave me encouragement where I could you know wave my bug because you know I wasn't it wasn't something that I had retained a lot during watching races and stuff and and listening to conversations with jockeys and and talking to them and asking questions and watching head on replays and watching replays and um I felt like I it, it I I could I could kind of fit in without like I'm still learning stuff every every time I ride right but, um I just felt like that part of that greenness and that that knowledge that I needed to know that the the bug riders get, um, you know, more opportunities riding horses. I feel like like I feel like I was good enough to to be able to waive that and not have a problem, and kind of ride with you know some of the best guys in the country.
2: That's a that's a bold that's a bold stance. It looks like it's paying off, right? Uh, uh, no, this year because it really seems like the, the the light. I mean, not the lights coming on, but there's you had a lot of nice wins at Turfway and stuff too. And when, when I watch you ride, and maybe CeCe would maybe feel the same way about this, it seems to me like one of your strengths is be able to make that one long sustained run from the back. And that's when when I think of the horses that you've won on, uh, it seems like you do a good job with the sustained uh, one uh, launch from the back. Is is that fair to say, or do you feel like you're a little more well-rounded? I'm not giving you enough credit.
3: I feel, I feel like I'm well-rounded. I mean, it all depends on the instruction, but – you know, you can anticipate and, and and get anxious on on what you're gonna do. And I I, I study, um, I, I like studying races, um, you know, on on screen watching rather than reading the program. I still read the program, but um, I usually the night before watch videos on Express Bet so I can actually see. And, and and see what those riders were wanting at the time. Now, that's not my preference to come from the back, but I'm a strong believer in uh, letting a horse get its bearings and let them get their footing. Um, now, if one breaks sharp and takes me out to the front, I'm fine with that. I, I Like the lend-it-to-me horse uh, last yes. week. Um, I'm not going to discourage a horse from doing that. If that's what they want to do and, and they feel comfortable doing it, I'm I'm, I'm going to let them do it, but it's more so what's underneath me and and how they're traveling that first quarter mile, three eighths of a mile. I uh, I want them to be as comfortable as possible, and maybe sometimes it just uh, takes them, you know, takes them a little bit.
2: You know, uh, I'm I'm going gonna, gonna to touch on uh, pops here in for a second, and then I'm I'll I'm segue that in the, my pal CC here. Uh, we, we mentioned, you've mentioned your dad. Your dad is again, it's Darren Miller. He's a longtime veteran trainer. He He's done amazing work for years and years. Um, we've been a big admirers of him for a long time. And Mr. Miller has had a lot of big wins in his career, as I'm sure you know. Um, mm-hmm. but the one that comes to mind right away, you tell me if I'm right, is Dominica in the bluegrass in 2007 at Keeneland. Yes. Uh, she beat a, he beat a horse called Street Sense on the wire. Street mm-hmm. Sense just came back to win the Kentucky Derby and one of the most breathtaking moves you'll ever see. Uh, just a couple weeks later, Cece and I were there that day. You yeah, remember, Steve remembers. So we were watching the race. We were right there on the finish line. So my question to you is: Were you there that day? I was there that
3: day. My mom dressed me up real sharp, had a nice little fedora on, and nice. uh, I do remember that day. I don't know. That was that was.
2: You've been about fifteen, 14, maybe.
3: Yeah, that was fifteen years ago. Yeah, I was about thirteen, fourteen.
2: And i do remember that, that was photo right something like yeah
3: that. yeah, yeah rafael wrote him um just uh teufelsbergs had a real slow pace that day i think they went like 26 51 and um i remember i remember hearing that first fraction and a lot of the grandstand was kind of you know let out a gasp and surprised him, um because that horse, you know, when you see that fraction, you think, "Well, you know, Toyflesberg looks pretty live now." You know, he's he's they let him go out, they let him go twenty six fifty one. Yeah, I remember. And uh, for him to for Dominican to come off the pace and uh, win that race, man, it was
2: yeah, it was amazing. It was it was a cool We're time. Pretty happy, pretty happy times in the Miller household that day. I would say, right? It was, yeah, it was, it was. Um, that that gives me a chance to segue into my pal Cece here because I know. He's from a little town that you may know pretty well, that you and your dad may know pretty well. So take it away, CC.
0: I play a poker game in Perryville, Kentucky, uh, okay. once a week, and uh, I drive through Springfield on uh, uh pass. I pass Silverton Hill Farm every yeah. time, and of course uh, that's uh, owned by Tommy and Bonnie Hamilton, who who your dad has had a lot of uh, really good horses for, like we just mentioned, uh, Dominican, and of course another Kentucky Derby starter, Sedgefield. And you you broke your maiden uh, uh, on uh, Bethy. That's correct, right? Bethy won uh, uh, last year about this time. Yep. What does uh, explain what the Hamiltons uh, mean to you and your dad's career?
3: You know they they um they mean so much. I mean for them, you know the pressure is kind of on him to uh, you know. There's so many good riders in that room right now, and. Uh, it kind of puts pressure on my dad, um, to, to use me, but he's, he's, he believes in me and, and they haven't questioned it. They, they, uh, they're very encouraging to me. Um, they, um, and I, I can't, uh, I, I can't express how appreciative I am that, you know, they don't get upset or question, um, him using me or, you know, and I, I I've done a lot of, uh, there's been some amateuristic rides early on um on their horses, and they 've never you know bonnie's just said some very kind words to me you know i 've kind of guilted myself to her after races and um she just continues to uh give me words of encouragement and they do such a great job their horses look amazing uh they're they're well bred they're they're very classy horses and um they i mean they've really They've really helped me out, and um I rode I, I think years ago i I think this probably would have been the to- around the time I might have been nine years old. I remember I was in a round pin and I'll never forget the horse's name his name was Hannel, and I went out there and I got on this horse in the round pin and Bonnie was uh had a lunge whip, and this horse just started bronking in this in this uh round pin man and threw me. And my dad asked me, my, my dad asked me in front of all of them, he said, you, you either get back on the horse or you, you want to, or do you want a spanking?" <laughs> and I took the spanking, man, I, I said, man, give me a spanking, please. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not getting back on the thing. And of course he didn't give me the spanking. And of course he made me get back on the horse. But they've known me, I mean, since, and it was a very emotional moment. The first time I wore their silks um, on a horse called the English Challenge. Um yes. It, it I didn't get emotional until I got to my best friend's house and like, like, man, I'm doing it. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, like, those silks have been, you know, so popular in, in my family for, for years since I was a little kid and not only just to ride races, but to be able to put on that, uh, that, that pink and black, man. I, that's, I mean, it was a, it, it was an emotional moment for me and, and, you know it was so special to me to win my first race for them, win my first race for my dad, and especially win my first race at churchill it was it was uh it was a great moment,
0: so let's talk about that uh that that first win aboard bethy i, I commend you on your ride I remember this like it was yesterday that mm-hmm. uh, as as i recall you were you were behind horses and it, it, to me it it's it's just really ballsy for a for a rider to just sit behind a wall of horses and wait and wait and wait and that's exactly what you did. I think you split horses or maybe went around the outside. But yeah. the bestie, uh, that was a great ride uh, to, for your Thank first win. It was a textbook. Thank you. But uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Chase. No, 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 you're fine. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you. I was looking at the uh, the chart for that race, and uh you didn't get a a, a bug allowance is what was the reasoning for not having a, is it because of your age or? or?
3: It wasn't my age. Um, I, uh, I had waived it. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I take a lot of pride in, in, in my riding and it's not like I'm a young kid that's been riding for two or three years. You know, I've, I've been riding for 12 years. I've been breezing horses for 12 years. I've, I, I, I've been on so many different horses and worked for so many different people. And, um just a lot of confidence one it would be extremely difficult for me to do the bug weight yeah Um, that's that's one that's probably one of the main reasons two um i have a lot of confidence in 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 my ability you know um on feeling a horse on um you know, getting down and, and, you know, pushing a horse and switching sticks. And I've been practicing that on horses in the morning and on the exercisers on my couch when I was a kid. So I just, I, I wanted to, I just wanted, I, I just, you know, believe in myself enough to, you know, sp- skip the knowledge that the bug, bug riders get and just go straight into it, you know. And show people that I know how to ride and I can do it without, you know, the, uh, the, um uh, what's the word? I, I'd say, um, maybe the accommodation of, of more mounts, uh, because the weight is off. Um, right. I just, uh, yeah, I just have a lot of, uh, confidence in myself.
0: How would you describe your personality? Are you, would you consider yourself a confident person
3: or, or, what, I, would, what? I would say, um, I'm very humorous, comedic. I, l- I love making people laugh. I've been like that since I was a kid. Um, but when it's game time, when, when, when I have to go do my job, I'm um, I'm very serious. And, um, my dad has raised, a you know, a, a, a smart horseman, I, I believe. And, and, uh, when, when it's time for me to work, I'm, you know, I'm a totally different person. Um, very relaxed, uh. You know, I I believe, you know, most people do get it. There's an anticipation um, before you go into the gates. But as soon as those gates open, you you're you're instantly reminded on why you decided to do this, because it it all just comes natural. Um, But, yeah, when it's game time, when it when it's time for me to work and, you know, uh, perform for owners and trainers and um, I take it very serious.
0: Let's talk about your daily workload. How do you how would you describe what you do in the morning? How many horses do you get on and you do it every day?
3: Yeah, early on um when I was when I was first starting out I was still galloping for my dad. Um you know, he had 16 at the time, 16 or 17. Um I was working for him in the mornings. I was getting on about nine or 10 horses. Um He was, you know, standing on the rail, which he doesn't really mostly do, man. He's, he's, he's really hands on. He likes riding his own horse, but, um, that was helping me cut weight riding that many horses. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he enjoyed being able to, you know, stand once in a while and watch his horses train. And, uh, but now, so, um, now that things, you know, have picked up and whatnot, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll breeze horses. I'll go out, you know, 5 6 times a week. And uh, you know, just try to uh try to sell the product.
0: Say 5 or 6 times a, a week you'll go out to the track or 5 6 times a day you'll you'll breeze a five horse. Or six times, 5 5 or 6 times a week. I got you. Okay. Uh Chase uh where would you consider riding right now? I mean, I know you you want to ride at Churchill, and you probably go to to Horseshoe Indianapolis now. Is there, are there other? Would you ride to Belterra or a Presque Isle or anywhere else yeah. like
3: that? I mean, wherever. I mean, it, what's so convenient about Kentucky is you've got Churchill, you have got Ellis right afterwards, you've got Indiana that runs late, you've got Belterra. Um, you know, I, I I would like to be, and I know it's you know this is such a tough colony to ride with, and Churchill's a very prestigious, tough group to ride with and to get mounts and whatnot. But I truly believe if I just keep continuing knocking on that big door of Churchill's, um, it's one day going to crack open and maybe one day just open real, real wide, uh, for me to really get my foot in there. And, um, but yeah, Kentucky, um, seems ideal for me. It's a comfortable place. Um, I like the racetracks. You know, there's four options right now. Um, are three options at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I gotta go to Belterra tomorrow and ride one. Um, Indiana, I haven't been there yet, but I rode there last I wasn't able to win there last year, but I rode quite a few races, uh, up there last year. And, uh, um, I'm looking forward to Ellis. And, uh, I feel like my soul is pretty happy just staying in Kentucky. I got the family. Um, my sister, um, you know, she has, uh, a, fifteen month old baby. Um, you know, it's just real comfortable for me to be at home and uh my friends are here and um I feel like if I you know if, if I wanna be the best, which that's what I want to do, I wanna, you know, I, I I truly believe that maybe one day that can be achievable and um I I wanna ride with the best. And it, it every time I ride with those guys at Churchill man, I learn. I, I see things and um a lot of those guys talk to me. Adam Beskitz is a good friend of mine. He gives me advice. Um I talk to him a lot about races. He's I mean, well accomplished rider. I feel like he's a really good rider and mm-hmm. it's nice to have him to talk to and he always gives me good advice. Uh he rode that grey horse that I rode yesterday last time. Um we were kinda, you know, discussing about him, you know. I've worked him a lot of times in the morning, but we were discussing on, you know, what that's gonna be like on the dirt um where 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 is the most ideal spot to place him in that race and uh I feel like Kentucky is is the place that I want to stay
0: so when Ellis Park opens where where will you be I mean will you stay uh will you spend the weekend in Ellis or, or how does that work for you
3: um so I'm about 30 minutes from Churchill I'm about that's probably about an I want to say it's like a two-hour drive for me to Ellis. <laughs> um, you know, I'll go there um, when I need to in the mornings. Last year, I never went up there in the mornings. Um, there's a I, – I need to learn, and I need to grow comfortable with uh, – there's a frequent rejection that, that can become discouraging, and um, I'm still wanting people. And I, I feel like, you know, my last few rides, you know, people can – will take me serious now and you know people can can watch me ride and you know be like okay this you know this guy can ride like he can he can compete with these guys and man it just makes you feel uncomfortable walking into a barn when you know somebody's going to say no and I I, I'm I'm kind of uh it's 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 something that I need to it's a roller coaster sport um, I need to grow comfortable with that and just, just keep knocking on knocking on the door, keep asking people if they're okay, keep and uh that's uh that, that that's the one thing that I've I've I, I need to get better at man, is just, you know, if they say no tomorrow or if they say no today there might be a chance they say yes tomorrow and
2: Right on. Right yes, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, son. Well Chase just uh use me to say. That as a guide in
0: getting turned down because i've been turned <laughs> by a lot of women over the years
2: so yeah, if you guys
0: just, just think of me when when a, when yeah. a trainer turns you down from mount. uh okay i, so I wanted, to, wanted to ask you one more question this is a question i've always wanted to ask tommy hamilton and I've been, i haven't been around him very much but uh uh going back to that derby that street sense won and, and your dad had uh sedgefield and dominican and I know they they moved around the turn. Setchfield was laying probably second or third. I always wanted to know from Tommy, and I'll ask you the same thing. Did you think you were going to win the Kentucky Derby at that point?
3: No, I mean, I feel like you have the same energy like you're about to win the Derby. But um I think we were just happy that he wasn't backing up.
0: You know, my, my, he, my, he, my eyes were about to bug out of my head because I I, yeah. I I thought Dominican was the horse that you know the, that had the real shot. Sedgefield was more of a turf horse, and here's Sedgefield, you know, he was laying right there behind Hardspun. I think he may have been two yeah. lengths off of Hardspun around coming into the stretch, and yeah, uh, yeah that was uh, a pretty cool, pretty cool uh, moment. I'm sure for the Hamiltons, I'm sure for you all as well.
3: Yeah, no, it was it was it was really cool. It was um, it was so long ago. I I, I don't know what kind of emotions I was going through. It was probably yeah, I was so young. So, I mean, yeah, no, we we're we we're we were ecstatic that he finished fifth. I think Dominican. I think he might have finished eleventh. Um, but the only pink silks and pink blinkers we could see was Sedgefield and
0: yeah. He ran a great race that day, uh, Alan. Take over.
2: Well, one thing I'm glad you mentioned about Sedgefield. That gets forgotten about. We talked about the Street Sense's move. We talked about Hardspun battling to be second. We talk about Curlin. In that race, becoming curl, that's where Curlin became Curlin with the big third place finish. We forget that Darren, that uh, Darren Miller, team Hamilton ran fifth in that Derby with Sedgefield, who was the longer of the two, uh, Miller long shots in that race, right? That horse was given no shot whatsoever. He ran a good race. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, Shils- Shils- I told you we have a bit of identical memories of this stuff, don't we? Um, you mentioned Ellis a moment ago before we will start to wrap this up here. But, uh, I think we talked off air. Uh, There was a horse you ran at, uh, Ellis last year. And it's funny to me and Cece, I believe me and Cece were both alive in a pick five. We thought we had the hard, the hard work finished (laughs) at that point. And as Cece will tell you, I'm one who will look for horses to blow things up. And I still didn't have this horse that you, that you knocked us out on. And it's usually in my (laughs) wheelhouse, but it was a 50 to one shot that beat one hell of a field there. And you want to talk about that, uh, that one that had me, he and I crying that day.
3: Yeah, uh, the Phillies' name was Double Dawn, uh, by uh, trained by Waylon Kunda. He had just claimed her for sixteen in Chicago. I had ridden her in a turf stake um, two weeks prior to that win. I, I, I really believe I, you know, I didn't really beat her up that day. I didn't, you know, she she sat way back in that turf race, and I, I, I really think that set her up to run such a big race. Um, you know, she a killed him. Yeah, she, you know, she she I I hit the two favorites. They were out on the lead. I, I I was able to kind of pinch in between them. I mean, I'm on a fifty-five to one shot. You know, might as well. You know, and she just kept going. She just, I mean, she it it really surprised me. Waylon had a lot of confidence in her, um, in the paddock, which is always nice. Um, she that 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 go around, I I warmed her up without the pony. She seemed much more loose. Uh. You know, she's kind of a tight filly in her sacrum and kind of her hawks as well. Um that that afternoon when I warmed her up, um, she was really moving really good, so I didn't really know. It was kinda of being on an, on a new horse um prior to, you know, when she ran in that stake. That was the first time I ever rode her, but um yeah, uh I just try to, you know, try not to think about the odds and just you know, ride the horse and when she, when she took off I was I was fully, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she was, you know, going to stop. I was waiting to hear some, some horses by, like I was just waiting to hear, you know, whips cracking, but it just, they just Never kept happened. going, by I didn't even know how many, I, how much I won by. And then, um, then I watched the replay when I got off of her and uh yeah, they did a great job with her going into that race.
2: That was Brad Cox and Steve Asmus and there were some, there was some second rate horse. Those were good horses that day. I'm sure CeCe remembers that too, don't you CeCe?
0: Yeah, I don't want to talk about
2: it. <laughs> as well as those, we think, okay, the heavy lifting's over. Okay, just no matter how much you're going to win. Nope, nope. Chase said nope. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, real quick, I want to mention your agent, Don Tiger. Number one, for two reasons. One, he's who I've been corresponding with to arrange this, so thanks to you, Don Tiger. And secondly, his last name's Tiger, so that's cool, right? <laughs> hey, that's a cool last name, man. Yeah. Don, if you're listening, I'm sure you are, man. Cool name. I like to change mine. And uh so, uh, you know, the the world, I say it all the time, the world's not just about horse racing. That's one little bubble. I know it's a big bubble for you, but what does Chase Miller like to do in his leisure time when he's not uh, winning races or attempting to win races? Um,
3: It's funny before I was not much of a runner when I started having to lose the weight, um, early on last year um i I had to lose it somehow so i I got into running and i really enjoy running Um,
2: thank you man i'm fat and old and i love doing it but i'm not as fast as you
3: are running's a good time um you know i've got a lot of good friends we'll get on the playstation play some games at night um i like to write i like to read yeah i i i like to draw um uh, I don't do anything. I'm not. I'm kind of an introvert, man. I don't really
2: go you out and do like much. It. You don't sound like it. I was thinking maybe a twenty year old guy. I thought maybe you're pulling my leg or like do all those things. I thought you maybe you're just not <laughs> no, letting me know please. that you're partying stuff. <laughs> nah, they. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy. I enjoy
3: uh, riding. I, 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 uh, and yeah, just nothing too crazy. I have. a I have a dog. I like spending time with him. He's. I'm not. I don't plan on giving my parents any grandchildren. Um so that's my kid. So okay. I like I like spending time with him and Chubbs. That's his name. He's a great little dog and uh Yeah that's that's about it.
2: Uh where do you like to run what's the furthest you've run and where do you like to run at?
3: I run on a private road. Um it's, kind of, it's kind of by uh I'm gonna say private road, but it's a quiet road. Um it's close to a training center high point. Um
2: Okay, yeah, yeah, I know it, what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, it's it's three miles down, three miles back and um I you know, some days I can run down and back and you know, some days I gotta walk I gotta right. walk back or walk, you know, halfway back. But I've ran I've ran maybe nine miles before.
2: All right. That's
3: it's slow though, I mean taking my time. I mean Yes. But yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm sure it's, I'm just sure it'll get, I, I don't think it'll get further than nine, man. I was pretty gassed after
2: this. <laughs> Let me tell you something, and I tell people this all the time. And again, I want to reiterate, I'm fat. Um, if you can run nine, you can run 13. You may not think you can. A 13 is a half marathon. If you can do nine, you can do, if you can do six, you can do 10. If you can do so nine, you mind. can do 13. Huh? Yep. It's all in the mind. mind. All in the mind. The legs take over. Well, Cece, do you have anything else for, uh, Mr. Chase Miller before we let him go?
0: No, I think I'm satisfied.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you, you're great, Chase. Uh, we wish you the best. We really enjoyed Thanks. having you on. Incredibly well spoken, incredibly confident, and knocking on that door of some big time success. Uh, we both believe that. So, uh, we appreciate you being on and best of luck the rest of the meet. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy your night.
0: Thanks, Chase. All right, that was the well-spoken Chase Miller, and we uh, certainly enjoyed having him on the podcast, Alan. And th- don't you think?
2: Oh yeah, you know what it's really struck me about Chase. Uh, in addition, to, as you mentioned, very well-spoken, but that uh, that 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 sweet spot of humility and and confidence, right? Uh, it's like I have more to learn. He's acknowledged making mistakes on rides in the past, but he's confident. and He thinks he's he's making taking that next step, and I love to hear that. I love to. Be confident. Acknowledge where you went wrong. We can all learn from that, right? And in, in every in every facet. But I really enjoyed talking to Chase. I I think I do think uh, things are starting to open up for him. There's a lot of talented young riders out there. Yeah. And the thing to keep in mind at Churchill and other tracks, but in particularly Churchill, the jockey colony is strong. The fields are short for the most part. Not all of them. And it's 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 hard for horsemen. It, it I hear you know people like myself, and I sometimes I feel bad about it. That bitching about short fields because I want to play the races because I, I I'm so anti short field. But I think a bigger aspect, and I think sometimes it gets lost, is that's hard on the horsemen, the whole and the jockeys, the people who make their living with that. They've got to enter their horses, and when they enter their horses, they you know, if the races don't, you know, they got to go up against guys dropping in, and the, the jockeys. I mean, they may be a lot of talented jockeys there, but they got to have horses to ride. They got to have entries in races and stuff. So it's a cyclical thing, man. And uh, I do feel bad for these. There's a lot of talented men and women, trainers, jockeys out there who you would get to see more of their stuff if we if we saw more horses in general. Right. So uh but getting back to Chase, you know, I really like him. I think he's uh, emblematic of a lot of very talented young people out there just waiting to get their break. I think he's a good rider. I like the way he
0: rides. He's patient and and, you know, he's not he's he's not afraid. And that's, uh, that's two things, uh, that a, a successful jockey possesses. So, uh, let's t- hey, I want to turn back our attention to the triple crown. And I know Alan's not going to want to talk about this, but I'm going to force him to <laughs> lots been made, uh, this week. Uh, and you know, I think since our last podcast, Rich Strike skipped the Preakness and he's just going to go straight to the Belmont, hopefully, but, uh, it, it brings up the, the, the annual tradition of uh, discussing whether or not there's not enough spacing between the two, the three triple crown races. So uh, I'll pose the question to Alan first. Uh, Then I'll give the right answer later.
2: (laughs) I I don't have a strong opinion. I would keep it the same. I I, I don't, I just, sometimes I I swear to you, people just come up with things to argue about on social media for the sake of arguing. So they have something to talk about on Mondays and Tuesdays when they're not racing. It's, It's like, it's, it's like a fix that they have uh this is an annual discussion i don't have a strong opinion i say keep it the way it is if you held a gun in my head maybe go the other way i wouldn't really care i probably have a strong opinion about the multiple excuses people keep making for epicenter uh that's probably i have a stronger opinion about that i guess i'll leave that because that could go on for a while uh but I mean, the horse has been beaten by Call Me Midnight and Rich Strike and early voting now. I mean, he is what he is. He's a really nice horse. But, again, that's another thing. Um I don't know. Uh, let me hear your opinion. If you make a strong, compelling argument, I will side with you. But I, I just think sometimes people argue for the sake of arguing.
0: Well, it wouldn't bother me if they moved the Preakness to Memorial Day weekend. That's a good point. And I give credit to a, a, Twitter, a tweet from uh, Billy Denzik. Who says, smart you know, man,
2: very smart man.
0: Kentucky Derby weekend is so popular now and it's so big that sometimes you, you might need a little time to recharge your batteries after it's over. I and do. I nowadays, do. you know, Kentucky Derby, it takes a few days to, to figure out what just happened. And then the next thing you know, it's Preakness weekend. I know Now Preakness weekend's already passed. I think, yeah. I think it should be on Memorial Day weekend. I, I You know, have it on a Saturday, the Indy 500's the next day. And just, you know, let's uh let's push the Belmont up one week and gives us, you know, time to breathe through all this. And then maybe, you know, I'm sure Pimlico would love that because that would, uh you know, that would that's a that's a big weekend. Maybe draw more people and a long weekend. You don't have to go back to work on Monday and everybody in the infield likes to get just blammed up. And, you know, let's uh, what's wrong with experimenting. That's all I'm trying to say. hey you know, uh, and it, I think if they space it out too much, yeah, I don't think you want a month between races because it's really hard to keep a horse in form for that long. So, you know, this, us let's, let's add another week, three weeks in between and, and, and see what happens. And maybe, uh, you know, like this, this weekend, this Pimlico card, uh, Saturday was awful. It was absolutely awful. Yeah, I think they totally had one horse that had run on Derby day come back and compete. On the entire Preakness card, and that was created in the Preakness, so it you know it was bad racing, dominated by a lot of favorites. I I, I don't know. I, I it wouldn't bother me a bit if they changed this. And the Triple Crown, in its existence, has all always been about change. I mean, I know that I think there was a time when the Preakness was run, run before the, the Derby at some point back you know back in the twenties or whatever. So yeah, you know, I, I have no problem with uh, spacing the races out just a hair. What about you, Brandon?
1: I mean, a lot of those arguments make sense. I, I'm big on tradition and see how the other horses did it in the past. Uh, you know, then you had the Bob Bafferts in the world. You know, that made triple. Yeah, you got that too. But, uh, I'm I'm with fifty-fifty. I'm I'm split. But you're right. I'm not. I don't have enough reload in me to go after the Preakness after a big upset of the Derby. And, you know, two weeks is not a, a big of time at all. Uh, you know, three weeks doesn't hurt anybody, and maybe we go to Belmont a, a week later after that, keep that a three-week spread. I, I, that seems fair to me, but, uh, you know, it's tradition, you know. If the horses could do it in the past, even though there wasn't that many, uh, you know, But I, I just remember Rumbauer last year, you know, came from the Preakness, but You know, he came to Preakness and won it, and I think he was, like, third in the Bluegrass or second. He was third. maybe fourth, yeah. Third. So, you know, they did the right thing by skipping the Derby and and pointing to the Preakness. And I just remember little stories like that. So I'm really just split. I don't really – I can't lean one way or the other. But I I know what you, you totally mean. This week's Preakness card was terrible. I thought Saturday was just terrible. How no. about a
2: third option? Can I put out a third option nobody talks about?
1: Let's go, Wal- no. Let's go No
2: Let's go Walter Johnson style. Walter Johnson was a Hall of Fame pitcher back in the twenties and he would famously pitch both ends of a doubleheader. You know, well they men used to do it, right? Why don't we just run the Derby and the Preakness on the same damn day? Let's do that. Right? The real <laughs> test of champions. Can we try that? <laughs> All, all right, I'm going to out. I
0: think Pete is watching. They're they're kind of eavesdropping on us, so we might need to edit this out later.
2: <laughs> Just thinking outside the box, man. Let's go all Walter Johnson style on them.
0: <laughs> all right, so that's uh, three conflicting points of view, and that's uh, mine tip- doesn't count. That's typical for horse racing
2: Monday. Yeah, is the day we're recording this on. So, uh, anything else? That'll do it. We've rambled on enough. Thanks to Chase Miller, he was fantastic.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, Brandon, anything else?
1: Uh, hats off to another. Uh, we've gotten to meet like so many different people through the podcast and, you know, over a hundred episodes. Uh, people that may have been on the sidelines in horse ownership have, are now buying. Another friend of mine bought another one today at the uh, uh, Mid Atlantic sale, uh, Mid Atlantic, if you will. And, uh, uh, they it was a big, a big purchase of Philly and, uh, uh, kudos to Ron Johnson is, and his group of buyers. Bill Mott's gonna be the trainer of their Philly. Damn. Uh, I mean, it just keeps on coming and there's probably gonna be more and hopefully we'll see these horses at the track. It seems to be the hardest thing to ever do is to get them to race and get them to race consistently on a circuit. So, uh, let's just pray that we have good racing upcoming. And uh, more to the Belmont. Oh, and by the way, I am taking a paid expense travel leave from the podcast. I'm going to the Belmont Stakes. I need my per diems, Alan and Craig. Okay. Friday in Saturday up there. Per diem is a big deal up there. When you're in New York, it's a lot more expensive. So I, I'm going to be calling in. I need a capital call from both of you.
2: You, you do know that uh, right now uh, everything is expensive. People bitch <laughs> about takeout. At the, at the horse at horse racing, it's like that's a that's a selective tax that you're paying. It's like a massive takeout in every walk of life, but somehow we just talk about it in horse racing. But uh, anyway, brands so we probably won't be able to help you. Yeah, about that
0: per diem. That horse ran yesterday at Churchill and he finished seventh, so he's probably not going to go to Belmont
1: either. That's Carpe right. diem, seize the day. That's right. Maybe Indiana next.
2: All right, that's enough. We'll we'll wrap it up. On that note,
0: CC brought us on behalf of Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and our guest Chase Miller, signing off, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.